0: 15-minute medicine, where we try to make medicine as simple as possible, but not simpler than that. I'm one of your co-hosts, Efoso Hamba, and today I'm joined by my other co-host, Farai Chigumadzi, and today we have a very special guest, a stalwart in global surgery, head of global surgery at University of Cape Town, Professor Salome Maswime. Thank you so much for joining us, Prof, and thank you for taking the time to be with us today.
1: I'm good. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: To start off, we just want to ask you,
2: how did you get into global surgery?
1: Yeah, <clears throat> thank you for that question. Um, so it, 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 it's been a long journey, and I think it's really, I'd have to talk about my medical journey and my background and, and how it all ended up coming together as global surgery. And so back when I was doing community service, I was in a rural hospital in, in KZN, and so I mean worked in the in the labor ward, maternity ward. It was all exciting, delivering babies, you know, handing them over to happy moms. But you know, soon soon it wasn't just happy moms, but it was cases of a mom dying, a baby dying. And, and having to think about my part, my involvement in, in, in what happened and reflecting. And so initially I thought it was really that I, I needed to, to, to specialize and, and get to understand the field a bit more, uh, especially when you've got a case where a, a pregnant woman dies, the, the nearest uh, hospital with a specialist is 75 kilometers away. And, and, and at the end of it, you know, the reason why she died is because she didn't have access to high quality care. And even though I was there as a junior doctor, you know, that's really the best that we could do within that resource and setting. And so at that time, the decision was to specialize. You know, I was aware that there were, there were health system issues, but I thought the specializing would sort would sort it out. And so moved to Johannesburg, went to Baragwanath Hospital, specialized, uh, learned how to do cesarean sections quickly, learned how to manage difficult cases, but then decided to do my PhD immediately after and looked at women who had died from complications of cesarean section across 15 different hospitals. And all the hospitals, all the cases we looked at, all the deaths were, were, were avoidable, preventable. It was a hundred percent preventable deaths, which said, you know, there's something that wrong that was happening. There's something that could have been done differently. It wasn't just the fact that it wasn't just the doctors who were doing something wrong. It was the system itself. And so I got interested thereafter in, in health outcomes and health disparities across different geographical settings. And that led to an interest in global health. So later, when I moved overseas to do my postdoc, I had combined you know, this knowledge that I had attended the cesarean section and, and tied it up with what I was learning about global health. And so after that time, I was then offered this, this opportunity to come and, and, head, and head up uh, global surgery at UCT. And so that's how it all came together in a nutshell.
2: You spoke about your humble beginnings and how you're doing community service in rural KZN. But if you take it even further, further back, where, where did you grow up? Where were your formative years done?
1: So um, I'm originally from, from Limpopo. I come from a place called Gutlokwa. Uh, you'll know it if you drive up I'm from Johannesburg. There's a small village after, uh, after Pulukwane. I grew up in many other places, so my, my father was an academic, my mom, my, um, or oh, my father, well, he, he is an academic, and my mom uh, is a teacher, and so so we grew up, you know, in different parts of the country, in, in KwaZulu-Natal, spent most of my years as a child in, in Venda with my dad working at the University of Venda. And then did my high school in in Bulugwane. so there was a lot of kind of moving around uh, with you know wherever, whatever opportunity my parents got, that, you know, take us along, and so got exposed to different environments. But I think becoming an academic, you know, at the end of the day, I was inspired by by my own parents, and that's that's what. Drove me to not just wanting to becoming a doctor, but to become an academic in the field of medicine.
0: Just to clarify, probably, just wanted to find out, like, when did you know that you wanted to study medicine?
1: So my story is is obviously a bit, yeah, interesting. I. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, apparently when I was in grade one, you know, there was a time where I, I, I told my parents I wanted to do medicine, but that, that died down, you know, that didn't last. And then somewhere towards grade 11, you know, that's when in, in my heart I knew this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to, to, to make a difference, to save lives, to be part of that but uh then i got into medical school it was just an overnight decision that I, I wanted to now do this and and started applying and 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 got into med school but i quickly got bored in med school and just you know just felt like this isn't me and and so spent most of med school feeling very out of place and and not wanting to be part of the system just really needed to finish my degree so that i could do what i wanted to do with my life but it was the, the community service experience. Uh, because before I went into community service, I, I, I stopped working. So after internship, I took I, I I literally stopped working. Thought let me explore other things and, and see what to do with my life. But you know, again, got bored, lonely, and and decided I wanted to get back into medicine. So I think my real dramatic change was, was the ComServe experience, which made me want to stay in medicine Uh, I think that was a more significant moment than when I was in high school deciding that I wanted to to study medicine because uh, because it was only our it was only at that point that I knew that I wanted to to spend the rest of my life doing this versus when I was a medical student and really just wanted to get through the degree so I could finish it
0: and, Prof, one could search the literature about what global surgery is or what is described as global surgery. But, in your own words, or what does global surgery actually mean to you? Because a lot of the times, a personal definition actually kind of gives it a, a greater meaning or understanding.
1: For me, it's it's as simple as it, making sure that you know every human being across the world has got access to to safe, high quality, timely surgery because that isn't the situation you go to 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 some of our villages. You mentioned surgery. You know, it's a life sentence. You mentioned a cesarean section. People know that people die from these surgeries, and and it's for us to ensure that more people people are not are not you know, dying from, from, from surgical complications and also preventing surgical morbidity. We all know about, about cancers that are preventable. We all know about that we can prevent injury and trauma. There are many ways of doing that. So global surgery is is, is looking at surgical diseases and injuries and, and how we can prevent that, but ensuring as well that <clears throat> those who have surgery receive high quality care and comprehensive care. It's not just operating then. Send them home <clears throat> and see them again in six weeks. It's ensuring that people are able to return to work and with, with good function and <clears throat> able to reintegrate into, into society after whatever surgical event they've had.
2: In trying to achieve what, you, what your definition of global surgery is, and I don't think, I think that is a widely spread definition, how do you kind of connect? the different countries and communities, how are we able to provide universal access to surgery when there's disparities and abilities of different health economies, if we can say that?
1: And it's, it's by understanding one, the, 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 the social determinants of health and by understanding that geographical location counts. You know, much as we want to say that it doesn't matter, it, it does matter because there are certain places that, if you have a car accident in this place, even if even with minor injuries, you might not survive just because. Mm-hmm. because not able to to access care timely enough so so and and then understanding that things like like poverty unemployment really do determine outcomes you know these are not new things we we know that you know we we know who's gonna do well and we know who's not going to do well and that is often based on on where they come from it's it's who is the person with the disease counts more than than what disease the 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 person actually has so it's 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 starting to understand that as a and and not simply thinking you know surgery is gonna fix everything because you might operate but the person is going back to a home where they they are gonna get sick they're gonna get septic they're gonna get worse they're not gonna survive uh, that disease even though you've operated on them so it's really thinking about how do we strengthen health how do we strengthen health systems because the differences in these places are the health systems it's not it's not how we operate you know a cesarean section is the same. Whether it's done in a rural area or an urban area, but the health system is different, and that's what we need to, to strengthen.
0: And in recognizing this need for increasing access to safe, affordable, timely, quality surgery, how do we risk taking away from other areas? Because, like, one could say that funding for healthcare is quite limited in certain aspects.
1: It, it, it starts with understanding the, the, the system, <clears throat> understanding the whole system. Understanding the priorities, understanding the political climate—you know, it's, it's, its 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 Yes, there isn't enough money. But where is the money? The, how is the money that is there being used? You know, and so in a lot of places and spaces, the money is being used for infectious diseases, and not for surgical, and not for surgical care, not for surgical. A lot of funders, a lot of NGOs are targeting—you know—infectious diseases and and leaving the surgical. Diseases out of it, and so and so. It's it's for me. It's about priority setting and reprioritizing, and and as healthcare workers, uh, talking to to policymakers and 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 understanding how decisions are made and and how priorities are set. Because some things are not about. It's not. It's not always about. About looking for mon- more money, but it's about how do you distribute or redistribute the money so that it, it does more. So, it's, it's leadership for, for us is, is an important uh, part of, of what Global Surgery can offer, uh, training leaders to think about surgical care and what it means to, to make decisions. Uh, on In policy decisions on on surgical care and surgical outcomes and and investing in in leadership training and and what we teach leaders on on these issues.
2: With what you say, I think a lot of doctors, even though they might not necessarily be equipping themselves to kind of undertake these roles, but I think a lot of people see the importance and would agree with what you're saying. If you' were now you as the head of global surgery at UCT, And I think anyone who's running a global surgery unit, wherever they may be across the world, what do you actually prioritize teaching? Does it become something that's like, Mm -hmm. is it extracurricular or does it become part of your curriculum?
1: So, you know, global surgery is an emerging discipline. Everyone right now is, is is using a model that works for the university or the institution that they are part of. Some some global surgery units are really more around research and improve and, and doing global surgery research and some are about teaching. And so you'll find different models being being used and, and that's perfectly fine. For, for 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 us we've been our three key areas have, have been education, research and implementation. And implementation is part of Practical solutions uh, and working capacity building, improving surgical care and outcomes. Practically doing things uh, with local communities and 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 locally. Uh, <clears throat> why do you prioritize on on teaching? it, it, it for me. <clears throat> where we are right now, a lot of people don't don't know what global surgery is. You know, don't know what social determinants of health are don't know about finance, they don't know about the ethics of global surgery. You know, so it's there are a lot of topics, there are a lot of different facets of global surgery. And so what I'm trying to do is introduce these 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 facets of global surgery through through different academic programs, tailored for different people. What what I teach to the undergraduate students, for example, will will, will be different from from what I'm 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 teaching to to a group of say policy makers uh, but we need to have but where we are right now i think what the world really needs to understand is is what is global surgery and what are surgical health systems and how do improve, improve surgical care by strengthening health systems and and the rest is for different institutions to work out for themselves what is the priority in their setting
2: but in in a country like south africa you can look at this at different levels, whether it's primary, secondary, or tertiary, maybe even quaternary. But what can be done to improve surgical capacity? Is it making sure that local clinics are able to excise lipomas and do abscesses, or is it to make sure that at a tertiary hospital that you're able to handle a uh, Caesar for previous Caesar times three, or like obviously in an ideal world you want to increase capacity everywhere but for you practically what would you if you were to target a specific area where do you think it would be most important to improve surgical capacity
1: so it's 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 and it's it's always going to be there's there's so many things that it's never going to be a one size uh, fits all kind of kind of solution it's 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 different places need 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 different solutions <clears throat> but I, I think, particularly in in trying to, you know, each place you need to unpack where the real problems are. You know, in South Africa, in in African settings, who's who's doing the surgery? You know, uh, we talk a lot about task shifting, task sharing, and 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 you know, we who who sort of stepping down the the K, you know, and saying that fine, because the because we don't have enough obstetricians, you know, maybe the nurses should or the midwife should be taught how to do a cesarean section. But problems come when patients get complications, you know. So, so operating on its own and, 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 and developing the skills on operating, that's fine until you're in trouble and you don't have the right set of people to, to, to manage the complications. You don't have a blood bank that's nearby to you know to 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 so that you can transfuse the patient. You don't have an ICU. You know you don't have a functional uh, ambulance system that can take you know. And I I, I think. At the end of the day, who who's operating the most in South Africa? It's, it's medical officers. It's it's not the surgeons. It's, it's the medical officers in, in district hospitals across the country. It's it's medical officers in in regional hospitals across the country, and perhaps uh, strengthening uh, you know the skills, uh, the resources, and and could be a, a good place to 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 target you know so so i don't have all the answers but i do think that there is a gap there that that's a lot of our focus is on what happens in tertiary hospitals and and training surgeons and and subspecialists and which is good But ultimately who's operating the most and who's diagnosing the surgical diseases it's it's really the medical officers it's it's the nurses uh out there it's primary health care so you can't do global surgery without involving primary health care without involving family medicine, and um, and without invo- involving medical officers
2: and from doing your fellowship if i'm not wrong you were, just correct me if i'm wrong sorry i think it was massachusetts that you went to
1: yeah massachusetts general hospital yeah
2: what do you feel you gained from going overseas
1: well, what, I, what I think for me was, 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 was valuable was seeing different health systems, you know, having been in South Africa and, and understood uh, how hospitals, South African hospitals. I, I, I mean, I've been to district hospitals. I've been to, to places that are impoverished. But it was, it was interesting to see the, the, the opposite end, you know, and, and getting the opportunity to, to work in, in what they call the best hospital in the world. Uh, we can argue whether it's true or not, but that's, <laughs> that's what they say. And, and and seeing some of the functional, uh, seeing a functional health system, seeing, seeing a high-income hospital and how they do things, both as, as, as a healthcare worker and both as a patient. You know, you can you spend a year in a place, at some point you, you're gonna get sick as well. So I, I got to experience healthcare from, from both sides. But I think it it, it, it opens up your mind as to, to seeing a wide spectrum across and, and being able to say maybe these are some of the things that we can learn and, and, and implement uh and and not everything is perfect (laughs) there are also things that we do very well which i said and thought maybe they could learn a thing or two from us as well but i think as a person it broadened up my mind
0: so you just mentioned prof your experience in the united states at massachusetts general hospital even you mentioned that there are some things that they could learn from us like just to uh, touch on that what do you think they can learn from us
1: yeah, I, I I find that South African medicine is very practical. Our training is very, you know, sort of in, 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 in the way that we trained, we see a lot more pathology, we are a bit more concise in, in in when you know when we diagnose patients, we're a bit more decisive in, in 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 the way that we do things. And and obviously a lot of experience that you gain even as a junior doctor. I mean, you you know, uh, even even as especially if you're in a tertiary hospital, uh, the, the 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 level of, of pathology that you see allows you to treat and manage a wide spectrum of, of diseases, and so and so I I, I felt that in, I, I, I observed you know uh, I felt that. We, I thought in certain areas, our training offered a lot more for, for, for registrars and, and expertise, even for, for, for junior doctors, junior consultants. And so, yeah, I, I thought that was, that, that, that was a key difference.
0: And then just to touch on the overarching major topic of the world at the moment, COVID-19. What do you think the impact of COVID-19 has been on global surgery, or the goals of global surgery, in a positive or negative light, if any positive you could find?
1: Yeah, so I I, I think the, the 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 pandemic has has highlighted the the message of global surgery even more, uh, talking about equity and and improving health systems and ensuring that you know no one is left behind. No one, you know, all of those things that have those have been part of the global surgery message. But COVID has has made it such that healthcare has become everybody's business, you know, and 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 bringing policymakers, the 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 person on the street, uh, and and that aligns very well with the global surgery message. So I think it, it, if anything, it has enhanced. Uh, what we do and has given us a stronger voice because people now understand the, the importance of us rallying and partnership partnering together with various stakeholders to improve uh, outcomes or surgical outcomes but uh, but uh, there also has been a huge backlog of, of surgical cases of elective surgery that has, has hasn't been done in this time. And, and that has taken us backwards because we already had uh, we were an unmet need for, 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 for surgery or for surgical care. And, and now we have even more work to do to try and, and catch up, not just from COVID times, but from before COVID. So I think there's a lot of work for, for that needs to be done for, for the surgical uh, disip- for, the, for the surgical workforce and, 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 and the surgical disciplines together
0: and I also just wanted to touch on it's a shame that we actually missed you like when you came to UCT we had already left but just how like the importance of introducing global surgery in medical education because I feel like that could have actually I think that can also help expand its reach if you start early in exposing our young doctors to that
1: I, I agree with you and and it's it's still early days as as, as well for 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 us uh, and of course there are opportunities for you as well we've got to, we've got an MSC global surgery which is open to to, to anyone and, and I'll use this time to advertise as well so there are opportunities for 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 you guys to get involved or anyone to become UCT global surgery fellows even from wherever you are, you don't need to move to Cape Town to be part of our virtual community that meets regularly. But uh, at undergraduate level, we are looking at various ways of of introducing uh, the global surgery themes uh, into the undergraduate curriculum. Uh, It's work in progress, still early days. So we're not sure exactly where we're going to slot it in but you know working closely with, with, with a group of, of medical students this year as, as global surgery research students, we've received a lot of insight as to as to way where, where the global surgery message would fit in well in, in the undergraduate curriculum and they are all saying the same thing that it's it's, it's, it's not a nice to have it's it's an important part of the training that, it, that needs to uh, come into into the, the curriculum and not as an extramural type of activity.
0: Also, I just wanted to explore your thoughts on, you mentioned earlier, Prof, we can obviously improve, Like like most of the time in the district hospitals, it's MOs that are performing the surgeries or diagnosing the surgical disease. In a similar sense where upskill, sort of medical officers, or even maybe even in some cases like anesthesia or in some places it can be seen as a, a stepping stone to further specialization but if you don't it's also still a good skill or um, sort of qualification to have so for example like the dip diploma in anesthesia or the diploma in obstetric care maybe like considering that sort of formal like uh, diploma in surgery or surgical care maybe an upskilling like the peripheral surgeon, so to say, but then also can be seen as a stepping stone to getting further qualifications like FCS and et cetera. What do you think about that or introducing something like that? Because obviously there's like minor things like basic basic surgical skills and all of that, but actually maybe making it a lot more formal under the College of Medicine of South Africa.
1: I, I and i wouldn't want to at this point to to be too prescriptive you know i i do think that 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 is a good idea but and and obviously would with you know it's it it doesn't always test competence it tests knowledge and and assumes that you know uh, that that you would have uh, gained the competence in in, in the hospital where you are doing your your training, but then there are other issues as well. You know, it's it's what I want you to to walk away with is is it's it's not always about the surgeon. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's it's the team. It's 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 the pre-hospital care. You know, who picks the patient up? before they get to hospital what training do they have you know what you know what expertise do they have it's about rehabilitation after after surgery you know it's about the nursing care the nursing skills you know i mean we we had an interesting conversation uh, recently about theater trained nurses you know is is well, how, how do you know how is it what's What's the requirement? What's the mm-hmm. curriculum? It's, it's, it's things like that. Without, without nurses, you can't run your cases, you know, no matter how good you are. As, as a surgeon, I've, I've seen some district hospitals doing, having even specialists to come and operate, you know, to to assist to push the backlog, but but no one's gonna operate where there's no blood, you know, where blood is not available, where 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 an anesthetist is not available, no one's gonna operate on the patient where they know that the outcome doesn't depend on me, and so uh, uh, and and that they've got very little, they're in control of very little. So I, I, I'd like you to rather take that message yeah. with you that it's really about uh, strengthening the health system yeah. and and capacity building across uh the team and and moving away from a surgeon-centric yeah. type of thing
2: if i can just ask you to look into the future briefly about 20 years from now so about 2014 what is the one thing you would like to see consistently being done in South African hospitals? Or what is the one thing that you'd hope has been achieved by them?
1: I I I, I truly believe in, in, in capacity building, in, in in building and strengthening or improving the way that that we teach, that we lead, that we that the time, how we use the time that we invest in people, you know, and changing the culture of of how things are done. We we treat medical students with respect, we treat interns with respect, we treat treat nurses with respect, we we give everybody a voice. And I think when we start to do those things, we we are more likely to, to create a culture that is, that is that is that that is centered around the patient, uh, and not around the doctors that are around them. And the more we focus on 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 how we relate with each other and and coming up with solutions that are going to improve ultimately the health system and patient outcomes uh you know a lot of a lot of this will start with 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 us listening to each other and taking each other seriously and taking our patients seriously and and realizing that they matter that it's 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 a life that has been lost it's 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 not just a case mm. for m and m it's it's not just mm. you know a cancer you know it's a life it's a it's a life and i think for me what I'd like what I'd love to see is 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 developing a culture where we understand these things, where we understand each other and also understand our patients and changing the way that that, that we do medicine so that we give our patients uh, better health care.
2: The last, last, last question. Being as busy as you are, do you still get to cut cesarean sections?
1: It's it's been a while. I I, I work now for the Department of of Surgery uh, and not for the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, though I work very closely with the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Uh, My career has evolved over the the past few years. I I call myself a clinician scientist. And, uh, you know, for over the past 10 years, it's It's really been a, a, a battle within me to see what what matters more mm. and at this stage of my life, a few years ago, I was interested in, in more research and how do I develop a researcher career while juggling clinical work and, and 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 doing clinical work but now i'm learning new skills you know sort of leadership administrative skills curriculum development and 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 every now and then you need to take time off to 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 develop and to learn new things so i would put it that way to say what i've been focusing on over the past year or two is, is is other skills within the medical uh, domain but but i will be i will be doing a bit more clinical work uh, quite soon my my interest in obstetrics is is or my clinical interest is maternal mental health and it's it's really around uh, the you know understanding depression for example in treating patients with depression, uh, pregnant women with 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 other psychiatric conditions, uh, managing teenage pregnancies, uh, women with substance abuse—you uh, know—some of those some of those things are, are are the things that are quite close to my heart. So, I'm not so sure if uh, if you find me Uh, how much time you'll find me Uh, what you'll find me doing in theater where you'll find me but you'll definitely find me in a hospital and and seeing patients if you keep watching this space
2: wow thank you so much for for joining us and having this conversation with us we understand and we see how busy you are you're ever present wherever we look so we really, really appreciate this On your last point, I also just want to point you to one of our episodes where we looked at the disparities in maternal health care, comparing the UK as well as South Africa. So not just for you, but for everyone listening. As you said, thank you so much. Thank you so much. For
0: those of you that are listening, can you continue listening? Can you share our podcast far and wide? to our listeners please comment give us feedback on this episode and any other episodes you can find us on our facebook instagram and twitter pages at 15 minute medicine and we'll just continue to try and make medicine as simple as possible
1: but not simpler than that